Hello, hello. We are actually going to have a different opener today <laughs> because we just finished wrapping this episode. And um, after we wrapped the episode, we were having a pretty meaningful discussion around a couple, something in particular that, that came up in the episode. So I wanted Tyler to be able to have the chance before the episode starts yeah. to kind of bring some uh, deeper conversation around a topic we brought up in the episode. So, yeah, yeah. So I think at the so end of the day, like, this is an episode we're talking a lot about fitness and uh, like what fitness really means and the, the things the fitness industry tells you. And I'm ripping through, you know, all these different, uh, you know, studies and things that, that are related to, you know, our perception of what fitness should mean. And, you know, one thing I just wanted to mention before we started the podcast was a lot of this was referenced to people who had the ability to move their bodies. And it's not in reference to people who are differently abled in their bodies, right? So I want to make sure that if somebody, um, for example, doesn't have the ability to use their legs or other parts of their body, that we're not, we're not trying to paint a bleak picture for you or make any sort of negative um, uh, you know, comments based on that. So just wanted to I mean, that up. I think what we were addressing in the episode people will hear is you were saying that we weren't focused. A lot of fitness products do not focus on foundational movement patterns, yeah. like as simple as sitting from a chair and standing up. Yeah. And you were talking about sort of all of the the things that can happen in the body when we don't focus on basic movement patterns like that. And you, you were painting a bleak picture. Yeah. And so I think we can, first of all, address that people who are able bodied can really benefit from this this shift in perception around quality of movement and learning foundational movements like sitting to standing, right? So our product at WeShape can actually really offer people that experience and we don't want to paint a super bleak picture. But also we needed to highlight that that there are people who are differently abled and they might not be able to even do that movement, yeah. but they could still gain benefit from other movements that, that, that are more foundational movement patterns that might not even involve their legs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, everybody has different... I mean, some people might not be able to use their arms, their legs. I mean, everyone has different uh, capabilities, and so we want to make sure that we're addressing um, as many people as possible and be as inclusive as possible. I know that's a really tricky topic, and we're doing the best that we can. And so one thing I, I want to say that I appreciate is we ended this podcast, and then our production team said, ooh... We, we noticed you were talking about this thing, and we're wondering if we can talk further about that. And so I said, let's just start rolling again, because I, I we'll really yeah. yeah I really appreciate um, this team's ability to show up and say, oop, we forgot about this, or oops, we forgot about that, because we're just humans and we're learning too, and we really want to make sure that we can provide a space for people in, in a fitness capacity and a wellness capacity that is most inclusive, as inclusive as we can be. So I appreciate the We Shape team. They always have our backs. So uh, enjoy this episode. If you, As always, if you have any questions, don't forget to reach out to us or feedback. We're available for that too. Podcast at WeShape.com. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the We Shape podcast. I'm here with Nina and Hello. Tyler. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is our take two. We were a couple minutes in and something malfunctioned, so we're starting over, which really just tells me what we were talking about didn't matter. Yeah. We're gonna, we're we were talking start. about it being a weird day, and then the camera shut off, so yeah. what's going on I just there? want to comment on the fact that we actually scheduled this an entire half an hour or a 15 minutes at least before we were normally going to come in and then we were all we started half an hour late so yeah <laughs> we're crushing it today we're trying. That's all right. it's just sometimes you got to flow with it there's a big New storm habits. coming where we're at right now my kids kept me up for like five hours last night mm. and i'm running on fumes right now so yeah yeah well but let's party let's do it <laughs> let's, we're here get weird 
Um, where do you guys want to start today? Well, actually, I want to start with um, the food schedule. Did you just ask and answer your <laughs> actually, own question? Yeah, in I, like, never mind. In like I, a fraction something, of a something second? popped in my mind instantly okay, because I was it. like, you guys were texting <laughs> last night. Oh, and yeah. Nina, I don't know how it came up, but Nina, you were like, oh, I had to schedule. I've been really craving these raviolis that they have, have down the been. street. And so I put it on my schedule so that I would remember. And mm. I said, you're a special, you're a special it's person, a, Nina. It's a ravioli appointment. Yeah. And then I said, this is why you're my friend. <laughs> and then Tyler said, well, I'm going to schedule my steak then. And I'm like, you guys need. And you know, the problem was I put my steak on the calendar. And then this morning you're like, well, we're going to do this for dinner and stuff. I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. And then I, then you took it off. the. I would have never even saw the she calendar. Rescheduled it had nothing yeah. to do I, with yeah. the dinner. It was the fact that your steak was like crowding the calendar. <laughs> and I was like, I just don't really feel like I want food on the calendar right now. <laughs> you need but anyway, I don't think snacks. that people know that you guys aren't related, but you guys are actually like true siblings. Are and we it twinning? It blows my mind. Actually, in every way like you guys are like a very much the same person it's like i don't know it it, it, it. is that why we're both your bestie <laughs> i knew that was coming <laughs> you walked yourself into that mess i promise that this podcast will be valuable if you're still listening yeah right i don't now. know we're still gonna here. find something today you no know, i want to talk today a lot about um you know kind of the myths around uh, the fitness industry and some of the 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 downside it's like i was i was on someone else's podcast yesterday and she was a nutritionist i'm actually she's really great her she has a podcast called tips with tony uh she's gonna join us on our podcast hopefully uh i think she's a registered dietitian and so she has a lot of people on talking about food and i was talking about sort of our take on nutrition and how we're really trying to have people break up with uh, toxic diet culture kind of like dr um uh, I'm never I Dr. Lisa Folden. Yes, yes, Dr. Lisa Folden. I love her example of uh, just breaking up with toxic diet culture. So I, you know, I was sharing with her. We don't really have uh, a, a diet program for anybody here. It's it's more like it's too complicated. Uh, we have a lot of unlayering and, and messiness to uncover with all of the messages we've been sent our whole life. And we really, if people are interested in developing better relationships with food, we we encourage them to research intuitive eating. Right. Um, but then I was also talking with her about sort of the misconceptions behind the fitness industry and how uh, as human beings, we need movement. But unfortunately, the fitness industry has taken that need and 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 really like packaged it in a way that doesn't uh, serve us physically or emotionally. And she yeah. was like, oh, that's so interesting. Um, we know about this in the nutrition world, right? We're, we're people who are in that world who are trying to break up a toxic diet culture are very aware that there there's a lot of problems you know we need food but like the the toxic diet culture has really twisted that and she goes we don't talk a lot about what the how that's happened also on the fitness side yeah, i think that's time. kind of a new concept yeah so what i'd love to do especially for people who are part of our community right like they come in and i think i have to almost remind people like the goal is not to sweat the most the goal is not to almost throw up the goal is not to work out through pain the, the it's not that whole like no pain no gain like i actually get really triggered by that sentence because i'm like that that's it's probably hurt a lot more people than it's ever helped you yeah. know that landslide so so i i'm really hoping we can talk a little bit about what are the things that are going you know what has the fitness industry done what does the to, to kind of twist this relationship that we have with exercise and movement and working out and um yeah I, i'm hoping we can kind of dive further in that so tyler i know that the movement part of our company is is really your passion yeah. and 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 expertise so i'd love for you to 
talk about what does the human body need mm-hmm. and then what has the fitness industry fed us yeah and and where are we missing each other there where should people kind totally. of try to shift a little bit of that perception on what fitness should look like yeah i think maybe the best place to start with this is just this understanding that our perception of what fitness is is probably inaccurate, right? It's the same thing when we talk about like toxic diet culture. It's like, we think we're all doing this for like health reasons, but most of it's like vanity or we end up in this neurotic place and we it's built on self-judgment and all this negative stuff. And the moment you see it, you're like, oh my God, like I don't wanna be a part of that anymore. And what's really interesting about what we're doing in terms of the fitness side of things is, um, you know, I'll go pitch our, 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 our business to an investor. Right. And I'll spend time talking about how we're, you know, customizing everything to each individual or using technology to do that. Like essentially we're mapping a decision matrix that like a personal trainer would use to be able to decide what movements people should be doing in what order, et cetera. Um, and they look at me at the end of the pitch, you know what they say? What makes you different from Peloton? And I look at them in the eyes and say, everything, like everything, right? Like how am I supposed to be able to convey this to you in seven minutes, you know, during a a pitch um, when most of our society is stuck in the notion that what fitness means is how you look and how you get there is sweat and pumping muscles and pushing yourself to the limit, right? Like that is the notion of what fitness really means. So I think that the most important thing is that we take a moment and we say, let's redefine what fitness means, right? Fitness does not mean pushing yourself to the limits. Fitness does not mean um, doing like long hours of cardiovascular training so you can burn more calories. Fitness does not mean pumping your muscles because you're hoping that you can tear them down and re-sculpt them, right? What fitness to us means is connecting with your body, how it feels, what it feels like when you move certain ways, and understanding your body's capabilities as it relates to your ability to do things that are uh, involve strength, flexibility, balance, and coordination, right? So it is improving our ability to move throughout our daily life in the ways that we want to move, right? And that's, that's got to be the foundation for people's understanding of fitness is, is, am I walking through my life and is this improving my life? When I go to pick something up off the ground, am I more flexible? Am I less likely to hurt myself? Am I more aware of my movements so that I don't end up hurting myself, right? And I think if we take the approach of just saying fitness is connecting with our bodies, understanding what it feels like to move our bodies, and slowly over time improving our capacity and our awareness of what it feels like to move our bodies in certain ways so that we can continue to gain strength, flexibility, balance, and coordination. I say that a lot because I think it's so important to look at those four aspects as the real measure of whether you're making progress or not. But if we can redefine fitness and start there, I think that's a good starting place for everyone. I know you're passionate about this because the volume in my headphones <laughs> went up by like a lot. Um, so, so I really meaningful. appreciate that. But I do appreciate that. You guys because are going to have tinnitus after this episode. <laughs> like, uh, after my it. ears are going to be like leaving a rock concert. I'm over here like. It's amazing though because that's something yeah. that I would just, ne- that would never have occurred to me. I'm like fitness is I can do an hour of cardio without getting super, super wet. Yeah. So I want to back and, up. And one thing I want to pause okay. people on real quick is that might be what fitness is to someone. Sure. But is it? are you doing it to burn calories so you can change the way you look, so you can feel validated? Or are you doing it because you love the sport of running, right? right? And, you're, and you're doing it, and while you're running, you're not thinking about how far and fast can I go. You're thinking about how well can I run? And then as you get better at that, then you're thinking about what you can do with it. Right. That you enjoy doing with it, right? 
Well, and also, I want to yes. I want to zoom out again and say, okay, so let's say you have a person, <clears throat> regardless of their age, let's put them younger. Let's say they're in their twenties, and for the rest of their life, they run outside and they ride a stationary bike inside, and maybe they do. I don't, I don't know what kind of strength training routine. Let's just say they're, they're a runner and they do a stationary bike. And then you take another person who's in that similar age group for the rest of their life. They focus on the four things that you just said. Would you hypothesize that the person who's focused on flexibility, coordination, strength, what was the fourth one, balance? Balance, yeah. Would you say that that methodology and that way of training is going to serve them for much longer in their life than the person who's focused on burning calories and running and being on the stationary bike. Yeah, I'll do you one better, all right? This is in a hypothesis, okay? So what do you guys think is the most important aspect of longevity? And I'll give you a few things to guess on. Um, flexibility, right? Cardiovascular capacity or strength? What do you guys think? I'm gonna say I flexibility. Like I know the answer because I think Tyler's talked about this before. Yeah, I might have talked about it before. Okay, so you're opting out. So she said flexibility. Let's, yeah. Or do you want to toss your name in the hat? Let's see what happens. I think it's um, muscle tone. I think it's how much muscle tone you have. Uh, well, that wasn't one of the three options. Sorry. So like, like strength. <laughs> she strength. said strength. strength. Like strength. Strength. Uh, strength. Yeah. So the answer is strength. Okay. And and this is done. And in I kind of knew that because um, Tyler's told me before. Yeah. So I feel like it's I was gonna say right. balance. Yeah. But. So a lot of people will think that is flexibility because naturally you assume as we get older we get tight and if we don't have flexibility then we're gonna operate in our daily life and we're gonna have aches, pains, injuries, right? That is true. But if you think about what the downfall of someone's um, life is in terms of movement, it's the inability to move their bodies, right? And what is the thing that you lose that really causes everything to be lost? It's the ability to stand up, right? It's literally the ability to go from a chair to a standing position, wow. right? And if we lose the ability to do that, we're not gonna be able to walk, we're not gonna be able to move. If you can't walk and move your body in daily life, you don't move limp through your body. Your heart has a pump that pumps blood through your body. Lymph, the lymph system doesn't have a pump. The pump is contralateral movement. It's walking, it's moving your body. The lymph system's responsibility is to take the toxins from your body, the waste product from the energy production of your body and move it through the lymph system and out of your body. If you don't move, then you just build up, build up, build up all these toxins, right? You lose muscle strength really fast. You atrophy incredibly fast as well. Like if anybody's ever had a surgery and you put yourself inside like a, a cast or a splint, oh my God, you look at your leg 30 days from now, you're like, what happened to my leg? I lost like three inches of muscle on my thigh. And so people don't realize if you're not able to move, that is the quickest way to start downfalling really, really fast. And beyond simply just like your physical movement, People need to understand, and we talked about this on the podcast with um, Dr. Vager, right? I want to bring him back. Yeah, he's great. He's I, love, so I love James. I learned so much from, from him as well. Um, our brains form neural pathways based on our ability to move. So what I love about um, the way that we do things, which I'll touch on in a little bit, which is sophisticating the motor pattern, right? Making the motor pattern harder, right? Making the movement more complex is that it requires more brain power to do that. And when it requires more brain power to do that, you create more neural connections that you wouldn't normally have, right? So if you go to the gym and you pump your muscles in like a machine and you never challenge aspects of balance, coordination, um, you know, flexibility, and you're not getting your brain into your body, you're like mindlessly doing fitness. That's what most people do, right? They go to a gym, they join a program, they buy an online program, and they just follow along, but they're not connecting with how it feels, right? When you do that, you're not building more neurological pathways and neurological connections. When you do things that involve more complexity, 
all of a sudden, you release what's called brain-derived neurotropic factor, BDNF, in your body. And what this does is it helps regrow neurons and reconnect neurons in different ways. So there's like a link between your, um, your mental strength flexibility and coordination and your bodily strength flexibility and coordination at the same time that's reminding me so my friend amy and i worked out with tyler yesterday and he was like do this and she's like my brain can't do that <laughs> and it's like exactly what you're saying it's yeah. like you're um the way that we're doing the programming is asking people to show up and connect with their brain their body the, it's like it's a completely different approach to fitness but what's hard about it is that we've all been trained burn as many calories push through the pain like don't take feedback that your body's giving you like so it's like this completely different shift like yeah. one of the things that's interesting about our product when we first launched it as i said you're gonna have to take out those first part of those exercises where you're doing the elevator and the breathing yeah. like people aren't gonna like that and you're like i can't do that like I know that this is the best people can fast forward if they want but I need to offer this so I want you to talk a little bit about that too because when people use our product you know how many minutes is that like three minutes in the beginning yes yeah, probably three minutes yeah. or so yeah of the elevator movement and people are like I'm not working out this isn't what I and so yeah. I think it's important to touch on that too like we're taking just a completely different approach and to, if we take out all of the 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 vanity and the the perceptions that we've had so far about what fitness means we're taking a very different approach so i think it's important for people to understand why that approach is in their best interest and yeah. that's what i was saying on this woman's podcast yesterday was like what would fitness look like if the company had our actual best interest at heart yeah and like that's what we're trying to do here yeah. it's like what is what is the actual best thing uh biologically for a human being in terms of fitness. So yeah. talk a little bit about every exercise, whenever someone does a workout with us, we always have that three minute elevator breathing in the beginning. So talk with us about why that's important. Yeah, so it's important to separate breathing from elevator. I'll go over that in a moment. So um, when people walk into a gym and they work with a trainer or they join a class or whatever, um, one of the things that really pushed me to develop like online uh, products as well as like WeShape in general is like from the get go, I was like, people deserve better, right? I was so sick of watching people um, go hire a trainer, pay them like $800 a month, and that trainer puts them on a treadmill and says, let's run on the treadmill for 10 minutes while they're texting their friend. And I'm sitting there. Um, with with you know the experience that I have in terms of movement, and I, I probably should touch on that for a second because people probably wonder why why I'm focused on this, right? Um, but I, it would drive me nuts. I'd be like, you, this person is going to hurt their knee, they're going to hurt their hip. Like they think they're there with an expert, but the reality is they're not. They're there with somebody who's just doing this job. And the reality is like anybody who's listening right now can get a personal training certification from some division in like a weekend. You know, you spend five hundred bucks, a thousand bucks, you get a cert. I'm a personal trainer. That's super common. That's super well, common. Well, I also don't want to bash on personal trainers. I, I, I think no, it's No, I want to bash on, on personal trainers who don't value their craft, right? Or think that they, um, I don't know. I, I can bash on physical therapy too, right, at the end of the day. I think, that, I think that what's important is that people understand what you want from a trainer, what you want from a program is attention to detail as it relates to your movement quality, right? And um, that's something that our product does so well because we spent so much time teaching it and thinking about how to do it in a way that makes sense, right? Um, a great example is like, if you lift your arms over your head, 
right? We had somebody on a, a live call the other day ask about this. She's lift her arms overhead. I can't lift my shoulder. My shoulder hurts when I do that. I was like, okay, now this time I want you to do this. I want you to drop your shoulder away from your ear. So imagine you're dropping your shoulder towards the ground, pushing your fingertips toward the ground. Now, as you lift your arm overhead, I want you to th turn your thumb backwards, right? And she lifts her arm overhead. Well, why didn't that hurt? Like, why didn't that hurt that time? And I'm like, well, because good movement doesn't cause pain, doesn't cause injuries. Bad movement causes pain. Bad movement causes injuries. And so but no can, pain, no gain, Tyler. Yeah, yeah. So I can, if I can <laughs> teach you that in a simple way, by telling her to drop your shoulder and turn your thumb back, I'm putting the shoulder blade in a good position. I'm protecting the shoulder capsule. I'm, I'm, I'm building a strong foundation, which is exactly what we're doing with the elevator, right? So again, somebody comes into a fitness routine and we're like, what kind of cardio are we doing? What kind of muscles are we pumping? What kind of weights are we lifting? Whatever it may be for them, right? Um, and their, their perception of the success of their program is how hard did I feel it was when I went home that day? How much did I sweat? How much did I breathe, right? And I'm like, that's not a good perception of the program, right? A good perception of the program is, does this make me feel good in my body? Does this connect me to my movement? Does this bring awareness of how that movement feels, right? So before I, I touch on this foundation, I just wanna like, I wanna rewind a little bit and say that first thing I ever did as a kid, I was, I was overweight, right? I went straight to bodybuilding. I did what a lot of people did. I opened up Arnold's Encyclopedia of Modern Bodybuilding, followed along those programs, did that for a while, and felt like, you know, I don't know, I was, I felt like I was getting some sense of progress in it, but um, something about the vanity was like a little bit disconnecting from me, but at the end of the day, I was still doing it because that's what I thought fitness was. Pump your muscles, build big muscles, right? Um, and then I got hit by a car. I was riding a bike, I got hit by a car, smashed my knee pretty bad, and I went back in to do some of these movements that were from the uh, bodybuilding culture, like leg extensions, um, uh, you know, hamstring curls, things that are isolating particular muscle groups. and everything caused me pain, right? And it was really odd. I was like, what the heck? And so I had to take a different approach. And I, luckily there was enough internet around at that point, you know, it was still pretty, pretty bad, but there was <laughs> the enough internet, days. I could start looking around and I could find people who were genuine experts at movement. And so I leaned on them. I said, okay, who are the people who are producing the best results in terms of somebody's ability to perform with their body? And so you look at athletic trainers, high quality physical therapists. Um, you know, I, I was very fortunate to have a lot of coaches and mentors early on um, that I learned an incredible amount of information on. And luckily I kind of was exposed to a lot of things, I think, before a lot of people were exposed to them. You know, like, I, like it's 2023, I started using kettlebells 20 years ago, you know? So, I mean, this is a long time before I think most people were popularizing them um, and doing gymnastics and doing physical therapy type stuff and movement assessments and stuff like that. Um, so anyways, uh, that, was, that was why I kind of got into it. It was, it was a necessity. I was like, I still want to like, I, I still want to look good naked. That was where I was at. But I was like, I can't do the things that everybody's telling me to do. I can't run. I can't do these things. Everything hurts. And so as I started learning from these people, I started realizing there was a thread that was um, consistent through all of them. And that was that every single one of them viewed fitness as, can I make you better at moving your body through a logical progression of movements, right? And it could be anywhere from barbells to kettlebells to body weight to anything, but all of them had the same kind of general philosophy. Build a strong foundation of awareness and movement in your body, and then over time, either sophisticate the movement, increase the intensity, increase the load, increase the duration, whatever it may be. But it started with the foundation of like good coordination and good movement, right? So um, I feel like this is a good segue to go into the elevator piece. Why do we do this? So the first thing we do in all of our workouts is we start with deep diaphragmatic breathing. This doesn't relate to the elevator, but we're trying to build a strong foundation in the human body. Okay, so they did a gigantic study and they looked at 
what factors highest correlate to longevity, all right? And we already went over strength being really useful, but out of things like um, you know, your nutrition or your sleep or your whatever, what, what things they could measure, what do you guys think correlated to longevity? Just tell us. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we want give, to give me one guess. Anything. What would you think would, would be a measure of someone who lived a long time? I feel like you hear those stories about like older people who like they walk every day three miles and they're yeah. like 90 years old and they're yeah. sharp as a tack. I like would say frequency. I was yeah. like, yeah. yeah. So check this one out. Lung capacity. Oh. The ability, the volume of air you can breathe in. Okay. And so, so many people don't realize that throughout our lives, we breathe into our chest. Right, we start to do this oftentimes because we're too self-conscious to breathe into our bellies like kids do. You watch kids; they breathe into their bellies, right? Um, oh, women have been trained. Oh my God, suck it in, yeah. suck it in, Woo. breathe into your chest. Okay, oh, people don't realize when you chest breathe, you're activating your fight or flight side of your nervous system. When you belly breathe all the way down into your pelvis as deep as you can, you activate that rest and digest side of your nervous system. So a lot of people are operating in the world in this constant state of activation and agitation because they don't even know how to breathe. So we start with that. How do we breathe? We breathe by breathing all the way down into our pelvis, deep into our bellies, letting it expand all the way, not just the front of the belly. You want to feel your back move out as well, and then let the chest expand at the very end, right? And what this does is it centers somebody and it stretches their lungs, right? If we never inhale fully, we never stretch our lungs. And if we don't do that for a long time, what happens is the fascia, which is the um, network of connective tissue that runs throughout your body that holds everything together, right? The fascia settles and gets tight. And then all of a sudden what happens? We can't even inhale all the way. We lose the capacity to do that. So to me, deep diaphragmatic breathing is such an important aspect of um, your, your, your fitness, I guess you could say, but your overall physical capacity and health, that, that's why we start with it as the foundation, right? And it's also a great tool, right? If you learn to deep diaphragmatic breathe for a minute and we start saying, hey, whenever you're stressed throughout the day, come back to this, what a beautiful tool to give somebody from the get-go. And so we start every single workout for every single person with that particular uh, movement. Now, the second movement is what's called the elevator. Um, another way to look at this is called abdominal bracing, right? Um, a lot of people have probably been told for a long time that the best way to uh, activate your core, I'm air quoting that, is to suck your belly button in towards your spine, right? And what they're doing is they're looking at how do we activate what's called the transverse abdominus inside your core. So there are these superficial muscles on the outside, the rectus abdominis run vertically on your belly, and those are like the six pack muscles that people look at, and they have the obliques on the outside. And then inside, you have these muscles that run horizontally around your waist. And what they do is they act like a, um, a brace around the spine. And my favorite way to think about this is imagine if, you, if those muscles are strong and you have activated your pelvis, pelvic floor and your diaphragm, you've got like a soda can in there that's sealed tight. Now, you're not gonna hurt your back. You're gonna be able to lift things. You're gonna be able to move your body through daily life. It's gonna feel amazing, right? But if you don't know how to activate that, and if you don't know how to um, uh, contract the pelvic floor or the top, it's like having a soda can where you crack the top. Or maybe it's a soda can where you crack the top, dent the side. Now, now what happens? You don't have a lot of strength and stability from there. So what the elevator does is the opposite. It's not draw your belly button towards your spine. It is create intra-abdominal pressure and push your belly out. It's a really tricky one, so um, it's, I think it would be way too hard for me to describe on the pod, on the pod well, right it, now. It's like when you cough. Yeah, so, so the easiest way to do it, to actually just feel yourself doing it, is to cough and you'll feel yourself kind of bear down a little bit and hold the tension. But the, the key uh, distinction here is don't um, push out through your pelvic floor as if you're trying to 
evacuate your bowels. <laughs> you want to contract that part of your body, th th your pelvic floor, as if you're trying to stop yourself from urinating while you cough. So that's a, a subtle distinction, but it's really important to create that, that intra-abdominal pressure and create the caps on either side that are holding that stability. Um, People who are watching this are going to see my weird face. I know. I'm like, I know. Trying, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I doing Try it? Try it now. <laughs> but what's, what's trippy about the elevator is like this is the foundation. And what a lot of people end up doing, even if they're doing well-designed programs, if they don't build a strong foundation but they build strength around that weak foundation – you're just gonna, it's just a recipe for disaster. There are athletes who can't do this well, and they're the ones whose time and their jobs are gonna expire because they don't know how to do the foundational piece of movement, which is stabilize your core. And this is important. Why do you think nobody talks about this? I, I, think, I think that it takes about 50 years for the scientific research to catch up with the people who are pioneering, right? Because right now, we're starting to see some of this stuff come to fruition in terms of like what we believe in terms of peer-reviewed, scientifically researched studies. But I'm looking at the guys who are at the very front who are saying, what about this? What about that? How does this work better? How does that work better? And I think if you look at those people and you really try to lean into it, they're going to make mistakes and they're going to come up with things that didn't really work out certain ways and they come up with theories that didn't pan out. But if you try to execute them and you see what's working really well for you know clients or people around you, you're going to see really quickly what's working better and what's not. With the elevator, if I put my hands on somebody and show them how to do it, like somebody who has lower back pain goes away right then, like literally that moment. And the moment they're able to do this in their daily life, they start to go, wait, all this lower back pain is my inability to use my, my midsection properly. And people might be getting surgery and like, I mean. Yeah, back surgeries, neck surgeries, <laughs> like all kinds of stuff. Dr. Vager gave a lot of interesting statistics on people who were getting back surgery <laughs> mm -hmm. and how they had, remember he said something about how like they had a, studied people who needed the back surgery and they evaluated their MRI who were in pain and then they yeah. did the same amount of people who were not in pain but they did an MRI and they still had the same Same, same MRI. everything, yeah. Yeah, totally. so um, I think what, I, again, I'm, I'm always a person who likes to zoom out because it's, it's, it's great to get in the weeds but um, it sounds like the, the fitness industry as a whole and most products out there, I don't want to say all, are really not talking about these things. And what I've been talking about lately is like the idea that our product offers sustainable fitness, like for the long haul. Like this is this is not a short-term thing. This is like something that you could do today that will serve you forever for the rest of your life. And we really are addressing sort of these foundational things and we have to change the perception of go out and just run three miles or get on the treadmill or ride the bike for an hour and sweat. And it's, it's, that's not, that's not fitness. People's idea. This is, this one's just like, I just want to like, I wish I could just scream this from the rooftops across the world. Like when someone decides they want to start exercising, probably the most common concept is like, I'm going to go for a jog. I'm going to go for a run. Right. And I want to ask everybody this question. If you've ever done any sort of training program, uh, especially if you've done something with a professional or you've done it with a well-designed program that focuses a lot on form, there's a lot of nuances to something as simple as a squat or as simple as like standing up from a chair. There's a lot of nuances, right? The weight distribution on your feet, the direction of your knees, um, the, the, the posture as you're doing it, the position of your shoulder blades, the position of your neck and head, right? And think about that movement. When you look at that movement, it's not that sophisticated of a movement, right? You're just standing up and sitting down. But people will spend so much time coaching that and making sure that you do that well. When's the last time someone taught you how to run or walk? 
Zero times. Zero times ever. One of my favorite things Zero to do is drive ever. in the car with Dr. Vega. Oh my God, it's horrible. Oh my and goodness. we'll pass it's a horrible. runner. I'll be like, don't look, there's a runner. He's like, I can't look. It stresses me out because yeah. the he's like, he can already see all of the dysfunction in the movement patterns. And he's like, I can't watch that person. It, 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 it breaks my heart to yeah. watch that that person is just going to. And so it's like, you know, I was even joking with a friend the other day because her kids were like, you need to run more. You need to run more. And she was like, I'm not running. And then I finally like interjected. I was like, please don't tell your mom to run. Like I've watched her move and she can't run. Yeah. <laughs> like, she has like a, a, a ACL <laughs> reconstruction that needs a lot more rehab than she got from yeah. it. And then her. Yeah. There's a lot of problems with that movement. I mean, running um, is like the traditional so like complex. everybody should Think run. Think about how complex it's it is. So complex. You're moving incredibly fast. Like there's so much involved in running and like nobody ever teaches you how to run. And people form these dysfunctions at really young ages. And those are the people who end up with like high likelihood of injuring knees hips back etc so what about the people who are like running is my therapy and i have a lot of psychological and emotional benefit from that like how do we address there is a there is a link between um some high intensity cardio that does kind of facilitate those chemicals in your brain that make you feel good so like how would you address that yeah so i think that people need to pause for a second and say if i like to do something like running then, and I, and I want to be able to do it for as long as possible. My choices here are this. I can keep doing it improperly and end up losing my capacity to run. That will happen. I promise you it will happen. Or I can pause. I can build a better foundation for a year and then I can go back to running and I'll be able to do it for much, much longer without the risk of aches, pains, or injuries. So you're not saying don't run. You're saying... No, no. Here's the thing. Running is not bad. Bad running is bad. And most people have bad form running. That's the reality of it. Guilty. Almost like... it's, It's shockingly rare to see someone have innate ability to move their body that well. To be able to run with all their joints aligned properly, with their core stabilized, with their posture stabilized properly. It's so rare. It's so rare. And what happens in like athletics is this. People think that the athletes that rise to the top are the ones that just like have this like magical gift or whatever. You know what the magical gift is? They just happen to be born with better movement than everybody else. Mm. If they took the people who wanted to become the best athletes out there and got them focused on movement rather than performance initially, they would do significantly better. And this is proven like when you go into Russian sports science, one of the most interesting things they did as a test was they took um, their younger athletes. Now, now, when I say younger, I mean younger. Like Russia is a place where they go and they see this person might have some talent and they're nine years old and they bring them into the mix and they start training them, right? Um, oh, that's it's, a different it's, episode. It's sad, but let's, let's talk about the data here, okay. right? Let's talk cool. about the data here. What they did is they said, if I train someone in a sport from the very <laughs> beginning, and I measure their outcome, what is their outcome of a success, versus if I cross-train someone in various modalities of movement, and then I pivot them to a sport, what is their measure of success? And it turns out that the people who didn't just stay narrowed in one path, who actually did a lot more variety, were significantly more likely to excel at the single sport that they ended up at than the people who focused on that single sport from the very beginning. So it's really important that not only are we trying to move our bodies better, but we're doing it in a myriad of ways so that we have the foundation to do the things we want in daily life. Daily life is not one thing. It's not riding a bike. It's not running. It's walking upstairs. It's bending down to pick stuff up. It's picking your kids up. It's, it's being able to hike. It's being able to bike. It's being able to do anything you want in your life. Swim, sit, sit comfortably. How many people can sit on the ground comfortably? Like very few. 
right? So I think it's so important to address all the aspects of movement, strength, flexibility, balance, and coordination. And if we overlay that on the body, what we're looking for is strength, flexibility, balance, and coordination in every joint through a full range of motion. And it doesn't start like that because most people are too tight. But if we can start with, hey, let's do this thing that's really easy, that doesn't involve a lot of balance, doesn't involve a lot of coordination, doesn't involve a lot of strength, doesn't involve a lot of flexibility, and let's get really good at that. And then, as that feels easy, let's make it a little bit more difficult. Let's sophisticate the movement. And then as that gets a little easy, let's sophisticate the movement. And that is a never-ending roadmap towards becoming better and more aware of how your body moves and what you can do with it. It's a beautiful thing. So what I... <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> so what I hear you saying is that, like in summary, the fitness industry as a whole, for the most part, has told us that fitness equals cardiovascular, calorie burn, high intensity, uh, what else? They, they A visual aesthetic, really. Yeah, I mean, I, like, if you're fit, it's because you look a certain way. Okay. And it's, what, it's how difficult you feel that was, you know? Like, a lot of time I spend on these coaching calls, people will say, like, what do I do here? I say, scale down. Make it easier. Make it easier. And they're like, what, what, what? And I'm like, think about your history. You've probably taken one step forward and one step backward throughout every single time you've attempted to get, quote, unquote, fit, right? And that's because you didn't start with the foundation of movement, right? You got injured, um, you burned out, whatever it may be. If we take you enough steps backwards to start building that foundation that's appropriate for you, now we can start taking steps forward and we're not gonna take as many steps backwards along the way. It's not mm -hmm. a straight path, it will never be a straight path. But instead of going one step forward, one step backward and feeling stuck in that, you're gonna take three steps forward, one step backwards, four step forward, two steps backwards and you're gonna consistently make progress over time. And like, we were talking about this the other day, progress over time. Like, I would say that almost all trainers, they are, their focus is to give somebody a good workout, and really the retention strategy here, the, the, the way to get people back is to become kind of like your therapist a little bit, right? Mm. Trainers talk to their clients, and their clients love their trainers because they talk to them, and they see them, and they listen to them. And that's fantastic, I think people need to be seen in that capacity. But if that trainer is not sitting there saying, are you getting more flexible? Are you getting stronger? Are you increasing your balance and coordination very predictably? Then in my opinion, that trainer's not doing their job. If you've been working with them for three months and they can't say, you did this in the beginning and you're doing this now and we've increased something by this amount, like what's the point, right? You're wasting your time at the end of the day. And I think that so many people think that they're working out productively, but they're really just kind of wasting their time and staying stuck in a rut. That's been my story. <laughs> well, so back to what I was saying, though, like the fitness, most fitness products in the fitness industry for, for many, many years has has really focused on the aesthetic, the calorie burn, the how hard did it feel, the sweat. And what you're saying is we need to if we're actually doing what's best for the human body, if we're taking that perspective, like what's best physically and arguably emotionally and psychologically, it's to focus on the core foundational movement patterns and shift our intention to balance coordination strength and flexibility yeah and 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 really start from the basics and stop worrying about 
the other things that we think because those are the things that we're gravitating towards because they're promising an aesthetic mm -hmm. and right. we want to we want to promise our customers a quality right yeah. we're, we're looking at quality yeah uh, quality of movement quality of progression uh how you're feeling those those are things that are going to last us a long time and it is kind of funny like i think we can all relate to the idea that i've tried a fitness program and then stopped it and then tried the new one and then stopped it and then tried the new one and stopped it. And I just do have so much curiosity if it's because it's just rooted in trying to achieve an aesthetic. If we don't get the aesthetic or we get an injury, then we just stop and think that the next one. But it's like I've gone through that cycle like 10 or more times and I mm -hmm. can't believe that I haven't stopped sooner to be like, why am I? Because it, people, people it, it, when it's wrapped in a different package with a new product, I think you think that it's different, but really it's all the same. It's the same as diet, right? How many diets do we do and feel like we fail on? But people don't sit down well, and say how many workout programs we've done. it's 98% of diets. Yeah, but fail. what I'm saying is that the next new diet comes out and everybody goes to it thinking they're going to get results. But it's because the system because is we, broken and, and, the, yeah. and the intention is broken, right? We talk a lot about intention. Somebody's going to a diet to change the way they look so they can be validated outside of themselves. There will be no long-term motivation for that. Right. So same with same with same fitness. With fitness. Pro same exact with fitness. You can try every fitness program, and even if it does change the way you look, you're still going to nitpick yourself. You're still going to feel crappy, and that's likely not going to lead to long-term motivation. Right? So the best experience for a human being in terms of fitness is focusing on movement quality, balance, coordination, strength, and flexibility. Yeah. It's not focusing on calorie burn. Um, how hard the workout was, how much I sweat. Let that take care of itself, right? If we, like with our program, the way it works again is to sophisticate the motor patterns, to sophisticate the movements. So they start with, they start with movements that are focused on building mind-muscle connection. So one of the things I'm most proud of about what we've done is um, the, the beginning stages of any of our workouts are appropriate for someone who cannot even sit up from bed, right? This is somebody who's like literally cannot sit up from bed. So again, we talked about being able to stand up being like the foundation of this. I'm really proud to say that if somebody does our workouts, I can pretty much guarantee and they can't sit up, they're gonna be able to sit up from bed, then they're gonna be able to stand up from a chair. That's what I want as a minimum foundation for anybody coming in. If they have injuries, if they have uh, you know issues with their body, or if they're just older and they've lost tons of muscle and tons of strength, right? Um, in those early phases, what we focus on is mind-muscle connection. I'm trying to get you to feel your body again. Right. So we're not moving really much. We're like pushing our feet into the ground for a couple seconds and then relaxing. And we're feeling what it feels like to have our leg muscles doing what they're supposed to be doing. Right. As we progress, then we start adding slow movement. And usually it's assisted, meaning we're using our arms or we're using other things for support. As we progress, we add range of motion, right? So now we can go deeper into a movement or through a more full range of motion, right? Um, and, and as we progress, we make it more challenging, right? So a great example is if you do a push-up with your hands against a wall, it's easier than doing your push-up with your hands against the back of a chair, which is easier than doing a push-up with your hands against the bottom of a chair, which is easier than doing a push-up with your hands on the ground. And then we add speed and power. So we give people a lot of time to build foundational strength and movement. And then only as they progress through those layers of foundational strength and movement do we sophisticate it and make it more explosive, dynamic, et cetera. And so what happens is in the beginning, it's a lot more like, whoa, I'm working my, my body out from like this neurological strength perspective, right? Then it's like, okay, let me get better at this movement. And then it's like, okay, let me get better at like speed and power. And when you're doing speed and power in this capacity, that's when the cardiovascular output happens by itself. 
But to me, like, if you're going to go out there and try to get your heart pumping and strengthen your heart right now, but you can't move very well, like, you're going to blow it. You're going to hurt yourself. So start I mean, with moving well. It makes sense as to why when you're pitching our company to investors. <laughs> I mean, the science that you're talking about, I'm sorry, it's not very sexy. Yeah, it's, it's like, not. It's, it's like, it's not. It's like this, is, this is why when we started WeShape, there were people in our industry who were politely saying, you're probably not going to be able to sell this because it's a much easier to sell a product that says here you can get six packs. We used to yeah. sell products like that, we know. Like those things sell, and so it is It is more complicated. Plus, the other thing I have to remind people is anytime you're gonna change your perception um, or your value system, that's essentially what we're asking people to do. We're saying, we're asking people to evaluate the value system that they operate from with their behaviors. We're asking people to maybe adjust their value system from I wanna look amazing to I wanna feel amazing. And um, that is a process because what happens is if you have been always in that value system and you know what your body feels like there, it's going to take time for you to understand what it feels like to go down this other path. So if you do three workouts with us, you're not gonna, it's like you have, that's an unfamiliar feeling, but I think after nine, 12, 20 workouts, you start to develop a different relationship with what yeah. that process feels like, so it takes time. So you're asking people to, um, uh, take time. You're asking people to adjust the value system that they have around what our culture believes is the most important thing. I mean, the, the, this is a this is a big ask for people. Yeah. But I would say that it's a worthwhile ask, and I think that if we can kind of just give it. I mean, it, it, it it's it's hard to ask people to do that. We're asking people to shift what they care about, yeah. and we're asking people to give it a lot of time so that they can go through a process of knowing what it feels like in their body to do something in this way. So I understand it is a big ask and I don't I don't really know how to change sort of the value system other than say that I'm just gonna work on changing my own value system and maybe give people the opportunity to crack the door for curiosity to maybe evaluate if their values, that's the thing. It, that's what I like to ask. Is this value system that I've been participating in around calorie burn and maximum effort and so on and so forth, is it actually serving me? Let, let me just break this down in an interesting way, all right? So we want, we want people really to show up out of a place of self-care, right? Rather than like, like when somebody shows up for a workout and they wanna change the way they look, they're ultimately showing up because they're judging themselves, right? Like, I don't like how I look, I'm gonna show up because I hate, I hate myself. I'm gonna do it this way. And again, we believe that that's focused on extrinsic motivation that does not breed long-term success. What we want is intrinsic motivation. And how it starts is, I value myself. I value my body. This is the one body I get, and so I need to take good care of it. And if you can start valuing yourself, then you show up for your workouts out of a, from a place of inspiration and the, the, the real desire to care for this one body you have rather than the other way around, right? And you know, science has proven that, that intrinsic motivation is significantly better in terms of lasting effect, which is what we ultimately want, consistency for you showing up for yourself, um, than extrinsic motivation. So uh, you know, let's, let's do this in a weird way, right? Okay, everybody brushes their teeth to take care of their teeth, right? Do you measure the success of your teeth brushing by how hard and fast you brush your teeth, <laughs> right? How quick and, you know, the effort you put into it, right? No, you, you measure the success of your teeth brushing by the quality of your teeth brushing, right? And I think that maybe another way to frame this is most people look at fitness as how much can I, how much energy can I expend, right? And that ultimately comes down to the pump, the, the, quantity. the, the, the quantity, the, the expenditure of energy. Um, I think of fitness as skill. Right? When we talk about strength, flexibility, balance, and coordination, 
We're not talking about getting more flexible. We're getting more skilled at being flexible. I don't know if you kind of can see the nuance there, but when I think about fitness, it's not about how many reps can I get done in 30 seconds. It's how well can I do these reps during this 30 seconds? You know what I mean? And if we focus on it from a level of skill acquisition rather than output, then we, we're building that deep, meaningful connection with our body. And unfortunately, the world these days is just taking people away from themselves. It's just like, don't feel your feelings. Don't feel your body. Don't know how you move, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And in it's, a lot of ways, we're teaching. buy this. Yeah, 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 exactly. Get a quick fix. And I think in a lot of ways, what I notice, at least when we're doing our coaching calls, I'm talking to people who are using our program, is they're developing that relationship with self. And like I was on a call the other day um, with this wonderful, amazing woman, Elena, and she's 70 years old. And she, you know, she's gone through the, the, um, the mental side with us uh, through our last um, Feel Good Challenge and telling us, you know, I used to look in the mirror and didn't like what I see for the first time. I like what I see and I didn't realize all I had to do was give myself permission to do that. Yeah, and she, I'm like, it wasn't even about the scale, it wasn't nothing, about anything, just it, like, was just, just it was the perception shift. But then she's so interested in the movements now. And she's like, nobody ever taught me this. No, no, no athletic trainer, no, no physical therapist, nobody taught me how my body's supposed to work, right? And so I feel like in a lot of ways, that's what we're doing. We're giving you the skill to use your body how it's supposed to be used. And very few people naturally use their bodies the way it's supposed to be used. And that's because we're sedentary. We sit a lot, we lose bad posture, and then when you start getting tight and flexible and you don't have good coordination, you, the way you get around the world is you, you, you move poorly. And the more you move poorly, the more rep repetitions of poor movement you get, the more that becomes your pattern, and then the harder it gets to unwind that pattern. You know, the other thing I wanna say too before we wrap, because I know we're probably gonna have to wrap soon. I thought is, we were going five hours in this one. <laughs> I could go all day long on this topic. I mean, is that I actually feel like this is a gift for um, another group of people who often feel too intimidated to try, you know, there's many d different types of people and they all have their own relationship and um, experience with joining a fitness product. And I think there are a lot of people out there who um, d don't even feel like they could try something. Yeah. And, and so if we remove the idea that it has to be super hard in order for it to be beneficial, then we get to open the door for so many more people also because now we're saying no 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 it doesn't have to be that hard we're actually asking you to do something that is exactly what you can do today i think it gives so many more people an opportunity to also participate in that right because like when you look at the percentage of people in the u.s for instance who participate in a workout program it's not a hundred. <laughs> I no, think I it's just like looking at this. The, if you're talking about like CDC's requirements of two days a week of strength training and like I think it's a hundred, hundred twenty minutes or so of like active movement, right? Um, it's twenty four percent of the U.S. Of population. The US. And I believe that if you're over fifty, it's sixteen percent. So <sighs> what I'm saying is that those people like psychologically feel like the people who are participating in that um, that that the that group is feeling like I can do this so I'm going to try mm -hmm. well what about all the other people yeah I feel like part of the barrier to entry is like we have an idea that it has to be super super hard yeah. or it's not worth it so what we're saying is that's actually false 
and you can focus on something else like movement quality and that will actually take you farther anyway. And so what I think we're doing is we're actually opening the door to the rest of the people who feel like I don't want to do that particular program because I feel like it's going to be too hard for me. And we're giving them permission to say like, hey, actually, that is a false belief system and we can actually offer you something that doesn't have to feel super I think that's the thing is like we want to feel like if it didn't feel super hard then it wasn't worth my time and what you're saying is it actually doesn't have to feel that way and it's absolutely worth your time yeah yeah and you know maybe I, I, I like to use like analogies and stuff like that to give people like a visualization of what you know they maybe have been doing and what we're trying to get them to do so let's pretend you're trying to climb a mountain right? And you're trying to reach the summit. And the summit represents whatever physical capacity you'll be able to reach in your life, your ability to connect with your body and move and do things freely and pain-free and, you know, et cetera. Um, most people and most fitness programs are like, do this thing for this amount of time and you'll get this results, right? And that is the equivalent of somebody looking up that mountain and just running up the face of it, trying to climb, falling flat on their face, sliding down the mountain, getting back up, trying again, right? And what we're trying to get them to do is go, hey, wait, there's a hiking path right here. And even though it's maybe like five, six times as long as running straight up the mountain, I don't have to fall down flat on my face and try again and probably never actually make it to the summit. So instead of charging up that hill, like on the side, as hard as you can, take a moment and walk there and build that strong foundation and take your time as you get there. Because um, you don't have to jump from program to program. It doesn't, it's not about intensity, it's about quality, right? And it's about consistency. And I think that people dramatically overestimate what they can get done in a workout program in their first like few months. And they dramatically underestimate what they can get from their workout program in a couple of years. Right. And I, I noticed this too, when I used to train people is that we have this residual self image of, of who we think we are. And for me, I would watch people's self image and I would say, when is their self image going to change? When are they going to realize how much different they are? in terms of their ability to move and their strength and flexibility. Because I would take people in and I would like completely transform their ability to move. 18 months later, they'd realize it. Wow. 18 months later, you know? So I, I try but to always I want encourage it, people. But people want, I want, yeah. I want it overnight. Yeah, but if you want it overnight, you're just gonna charge up that hill and fall flat on your face a thousand times. It's one step forward, one step back. You're never gonna get there, right? And I think that people need to realize if you really wanna get there, it doesn't take that much. Right. So it's not intensity. It's quality and consistency. And consistency. And the misconception is that it's intensity is the major factor in 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 whatever quote unquote results people are trying to get. And what we're saying is we're gonna put a big red X through intensity and we're gonna focus on quality and long term consistency. And yeah. consistency can mean one or two days a week. It's like that's the other thing. And progression. When- and check this out. Sorry, I just wanna interrupt because you said something about intensity. It's not about not intensity, right? If we have quality of movement and progression and consistency, okay? Then as we progress with quality movement, intensity happens. But it's not about us manufacturing that, right? It's not about grinding it out, right? It's just gonna get harder, but your body's going to adapt to that. I think the most important thing people need to realize about the human body is that when we do a fitness routine, all we're saying is, here's a stimulus that we want you to adapt to. And if you're sitting on your bike at home and you're riding your bike and you have crappy posture and your shoulders are rolled forward and you're working your quads too much, right? Then guess what? You can burn calories. You can probably lose some weight doing that. But if you have any defects in your movement, you're going to get repetitive use injuries. You're not strengthening your posture. And when you go throughout your daily life and you go to pick up that Kleenex you dropped off the ground, that's when your lower back's going to get thrown out, right? And I'm like, stop doing that, right? It's not helping you. Learn to move your body. 
Give yourself the gift of learning what your body's supposed to do and do it consistently and patiently and, uh, and focus on that quality. I think that's so important. Yeah. All right. Well, you heard it here, people. Uh, quality and consistency is really is really something we should consider when we're looking at fitness. And I'm really sorry that the fitness, I mean, I am sorry because we used to be a company like that, that participated in trying to sell six-pack abs and toned bodies. And, and the reality is, is that we had to shift our value system, which is the reason why WeShape was born, is because yeah. we said, what is the best thing for the customer? What is the best thing for a human being? If we take everything else out, yeah. right? Marketing and profits and all the things, what is the best thing for the customer and can we deliver that? Yeah. And, and so, um, yeah, it's just about evaluating the value system and about evaluating if the value system that we participate in is contributing to our well-being. And we believe that most of, of the fitness industry, um, including our past companies, were not participating in the best experience or the best uh, – the best, you know, information for the customer, and and we're trying to do pave a new path and, and do it a different way. So it's I understand it's it takes hard. time. Yeah, it, it takes, takes time. time. It's it hard. It takes trusting. It takes, it takes, you know, uh, it it takes. Fifty years from now, people will be talking about motor pattern progressions as like a foundation, right? So, um, you know, and I think I think that um, I think that people are really hard on themselves too. I just want to touch on that for a sec because I know that from my own personal experience of things should be faster, things should be this, things should be that. And the more I give myself grace and patience, and almost in some ways, the slower you go, the further you get. Mm. I think that's interesting for people to think about. The slower you go, the further you get. And, and you know, like, again, we talked about a lot of stuff on this pod that I was just ripping through. And what, <laughs> I, what, I, want, what I want to convey is that, like, you don't need to know any of this stuff, right? Um, when we sat down to make WeShape, Katie and I asked ourselves the question, what would we build and what would we do if we got nothing from it? And, you know, like I said, I, I've had this kind of vendetta against most trainers in the world um, because they just aren't paying attention to somebody's movement and they're not programming things like intentionally. Yeah. And, and I'll, you know, I'll share a personal story real quick before we wrap that that really planted the seed for this is, you know, I was I grew up in a family that was, you know, overweight, unhealthy, like. I, I joke that like diet soda was like the health food in our family, and that's the truth. Um, and I chose to to break that mold. And when I did, I joined a gym. I started doing bodybuilding, and I was like, "Dad, you should come with us and join this gym." And he went to the gym, and they gave him a free personal training session. And that personal trainer just wrecked him, just as much stuff as possible. Woke up the next day, barely moved, so sore, aches, all this stuff like that. And he never went back. He never fucking went back. And to me, I think a lot of people's experience of fitness is similar to that in some vein. And I don't want that to be people's experience. I want people to like, again, have that like, have the key to how their body's supposed to move and really learn that and really develop that deeper connection. And so, you know, with WeShape, the goal was, how do we do all this scientific stuff that we're talking about and continuously improve it so that our system is making good decisions for you, helping you learn how to do this in the most effective ways. But all you have to do is show up, press play, follow along, continue to learn more about how your body's moving while you're practicing these movements, and then just give us a little feedback. Hey, how'd this feel for you? You know, do you want to make it a little harder? You want to make it a little easier, right? And the rest of the system takes care of itself. So I just want to, I want to tell people like, this is complicated stuff, 
But what I love the most is to watch somebody on their first week of WeShape and they're like, they're looking at like this, whoa, like this one thing that I never knew existed is there. And then, you know, you talk to somebody six months down the road and you're like, wow, your questions and your awareness of your body have grown so much. And then it just continues and continues and continues to the point where I'm like, dude, some of our, our, our clients could probably best like a physical therapist in terms <laughs> of their ability to, to dictate how someone should move or tell somebody yeah. how they should move. And that's like, oh, that like warms my heart. Like that makes me feel so happy. You I wanna make it accessible for people and, and, um, and affordable, right? I mean, people can't afford personal trainers. People used to pay me like 12 to $1,500 a month to do personal training for them, you know? And I'm like, that's a, that's a really, um, privileged elite thing to be able to do. So how do we give somebody that as, as, as close to that as possible that might provide a better experience than you know, your local gym personal trainer and better results and better ways to feel in your body in, and on top of all the mindset stuff we also talk about, right? And the community and the people to lean on and give it to them in a way that um, they can digest and uh, again, in a way that's super accessible and super affordable. You said something um, a couple times that I want to bring clarity to that triggered me a little bit. Mm, let's um, do it. <laughs> Nina's like, there's oh, still time. Because <laughs> um, you talk about like. Psych, the podcast isn't <laughs> wrapping yet. <laughs> well, I was just, I just want to bring a little bit of awareness and clarity because I, I know that maybe you had a different intention, but you said like, oh, I grew up in a, a home that was overweight and unhealthy. Yeah. And I want to, I want to point out that you can be quote unquote overweight um, by society standards and healthy, yeah. so that the two don't necessarily, right? We I, There's a whole different episode where we can talk about the misconceptions of what being the ideal weight or overweight. There's a lot of- I appreciate of, you sharing that. I, maybe maybe I should reframe Like there are plenty of people who are I, overweight I, in I our society in that, uh, that are by our society standards that are completely healthy. So I wanna like reshape how we talk that about that. I, I wanna, let me, let me take a, okay. a second crack at that. Kay. Thank you for holding me accountable to that. Um, I, I don't want to propagate people feeling bad about themselves. Um, but also it's just, it's plain, it's a lie. And there's like a lot of science now that talks about actually people, there's like studies now that are coming out that like actually what we thought the problems with being overweight were were not what we thought. And like there's actually contributing yeah. to like people who actually are living longer. So there's not, the, the science is out on what ideal weight really is. And so I feel like I just want to like, say that, that the yeah. correlation of unhealthy and overweight is not really a correlation that we can actually even prove anymore. So my second swing at this okay, would let's be- Okay, let's try it, would let's be, give it a go. Uh, I grew up in a family um, that did not know how to take care of their bodies and did not teach me how to take care of my body. And- um, That I can understand, I just wanna take the, the weight and out at of the- at the time kind of when we were talking about this gym thing, my dad was 300 pounds and he ended up having a heart attack at 52 years old right in front of us, actually, we were living with him when that happened. And I watched him, um, you know, just eat poorly and uh, do the same thing that a lot of us do. We're gonna go do this diet, we're gonna do this Weight Watchers, we're gonna do this exercise program, we're gonna buy this ab rocker, this thigh master, like all the gimmicks, right? And um, I don't know, I just feel, I feel, for, I feel for people who are stuck in that position because it's so easy to want the thing that's gonna get you where you think you wanna go in two weeks, three weeks, whatever, you know, the, the whiz bang features they have on these things now and recognize that it just does, it's not the way the body works, right? It's not what you really need. What you need is to deepen your connection with your body and your movement and learn how to do it well. And so, um, yeah, I just, I wish that the way for everyone to be able to feel better about themselves and in their bodies is to just start here, start with yourself 
Start showing up for yourself out of self-care and self-love. Learn how your body's supposed to feel and how it's supposed to move. I don't think very many people know how bad their bodies feel until they start to recognize how their body's supposed to move and they go, wow, that weighs better, right? Yeah, I think I just wanted to highlight that we have developed a value in our in our culture that this particular weight is the ideal weight and then we've taken all the science to prove that and i feel like um science is always changing and and that is you know they used to tell cigarettes were good for you right and what i'm saying is is that one of my goals here is to actually just take weight out of the equation entirely yeah um, because there, we don't actually really know all the way anyway. And I think that even just saying the word overweight or, or bringing weight into any equation where we're talking about someone's quality of life not being good, I, I just want to kind of avoid that because I think that it's not the right thing to focus on. I think the right thing to focus on is people connecting with themselves and defining what feels good for them regardless of what everybody else says. So I just want to develop a culture of communication around um, feeling good and understanding that. And this is why when people say, oh, will you give me a nutrition plan at WeShape? I'm like, I will not because um, everybody is different, right? And I don't, I don't want to be responsible. I mean, I tell people you can go, my philosophy centers around intuitive eating and you can go research that and we'll bring guests on and we'll try to do the best we can to educate ourselves on that. But I want to um, hold space for the unique of every body type and I don't want someone to be um, valued or identified by their weight because um, science said so because science is also saying different things now so I just want to be like open-minded about that and and hold space that like a certain weight doesn't even necessarily equal health right you can have people at any weight be healthy and any weight not be healthy so it really has to come from an internal um cue and internal feeling in in one's own body to determine what that looks like for them yeah so i just want to like leave weight at it's like if, if there's a way that we could do that and have conversations that don't really involve weight that would be my preference because i just think we don't really we, we uh, this 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 idea that we um don't know more than we know right is like there's so many things that we don't know that I just, I just, I don't know. I feel like we get so fixated on this, the weight and the scale and overweight or this weight or obese or that. And I'm like, it just, let's just not even go there. It just doesn't even, it's not even worth my time anymore. Yeah. Because then I people, th- then people get fixated on that. And it's like, I don't know. I, I th- just feel like. I think like, under it all is to me, and just, uh, this is a fun debate. We could do this on another one. But like, to me, underneath it all is like, is your self-worth. Right. Because you can be like, quote unquote, fit and have low self-worth. And that's where you got to there. You can be, quote unquote, unfit and and have low self-worth. Right. And so, like, more than anything, what I think is important is, like, how do we teach people to have self-worth so they want to show up for themselves? They want to care for themselves in a meaningful way. Right. I, I'm just trying to like continuously challenge the narrative a little bit. Yeah. Like even someone in one of our community calls had said, I want to lose weight because then I'll be able to do this movement. And I was like, I know people who weigh more than you who can do that movement. So the idea that that's correlated is false. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to like highlight some of the misconceptions around uh, people who are overweight uh, are unhealthy people who are overweight can't move that way Pe- like that's not even true it's just that we've been trained to believe that's true and we've given the science that points that to be true all of the attention and there's other science that can be brought to light too maybe one day we'll have a conversation around that too like yeah. all the misconceptions around scientifically sound uh research that says 
things about ideal body weight and actually there's other science too. Yeah. So I just, I wanna create uh, meaningful conversations that don't always fixate on uh, negative correlations to particular weights. I yeah. think that it's, a, I actually think a lot of it's false. Mm -hmm. I, I think that there's science that's pointing us actually in, in other directions, so. There's a lot of people who have that ideal quote unquote body that can't move well, that are tight, that are gonna end up injured, that aren't really taking care of themselves in the right way. You know, they're, yeah. taking, they're, they're doing that for the wrong reasons. And um, again, like my mission is like, help people connect with their bodies, help them learn how their bodies should feel and, and should move. And for their individual walk them through yeah. a, a predictable path of growing the capacity around that. Yeah, because I think that um, it's just important to constantly have these conversations because I think that when we have defined uh, this is this is where people should be, then anyone who doesn't fit in there, um, we need to understand that those people get treated differently whether we know it or not. They get treated differently when they go to the doctor. They get treated differently when they're in social settings. And so I wanna constantly have an open conversation around who made up that ideal? Um, is there other science that proves otherwise? Like there, there's so many more factors and I think we've been pigeonholed as a community, as a society, that this is the only way. And I think a lot of people um, are suffering as a result of our collective whole going down that value system. And I wanna continuously open, uh, you know, that o open the dialogue to like be a lot more inclusive than it has been previously in the past. Cause I think that uh, the value system that we operate out of in the health and, and wellness industry is targeted at a specific goal. And I think it's kind of bullshit personally. <laughs> so I just wanna continue to open that dialogue. but. Um, I'm so glad we got to talk about this today because I think that we do spend a lot of time sort of on like the misconceptions around toxic diet culture and how uh, we can go down a new path and have new perception around what uh, connection with food actually means. And so this is a great opportunity to have the same dialogue, but around fitness. So thank you everyone for listening. We have an in-person guest next week, which I'm really excited. I love in-person guests because there's just different energy. It's, it's so nice to be able to sit next to someone and have, have a conversation. So we'll see everyone next week and yeah. See you guys next week. Thanks care. for listening to all my jimmer jabbering and you know, remember, jabbering. make sure to show up for yourself out of self-care, right? And start to learn how your body feels when it moves. I think it's just developed that connection. It's so important. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed today's show. Now, before you go, it would mean a lot to us if you could take a moment right now to subscribe to the podcast and then leave us a review. This helps spread the word so more people can feel lighter by shedding one belief at a time. Also, we want to hear from you. So if this episode impacted you or you have any questions that you think would be great for us or any of our future guests, please feel free to email us at podcast at weshape.com. And finally, if you want to try WeShape's different approach to health and fitness, make sure you click the link in our podcast description or go to weshape.com slash free where you can build your first workout and activate your two-week free trial. See you next week.